let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back. And mate, I don't know about you, but two weeks doesn't half feel like a long time. It does feel like a long time. I think we've got so used to doing every every week that um yeah, it's been a bit bit odd having a bit of a well, a break, I suppose it feels like. Yeah, um, but we're back again tonight and let's let's not hesitate because we have got a fantastic smelling beer in glass already, haven't we? We have and um I tell you what, should we dive into it and then tell the listeners what we got? Because I, I don't really want to wait any longer. Yeah, please, let's. Cheers. Cheers. Bloody delicious. That is really tasty. It's um, it's like drinking tropical booze juice. Yep, yeah, or a very good tropical squash. Yeah. Um, but it's very clean as well. And actually... Now that really gone through through my mouth, very dry finish. Mm. A, a very dry but also a very earthy finish to it as as, yeah. as well. Um, what is what is it we're drinking, mate? We have got, and this has been very kindly sent to us. So Neptune Brewery, um, they sent us a few beers. This one is their Mosaic Pale Ale, four and a half percent. Literally says single hop pale ale brewed with mosaic hops, a pale ale bursting with. Uh, blueberries and tropical flavors of papaya mango and passion fruit with a citrus hit from grapefruit i mean the tropical notes are definitely there they're, they're, they're all over this beer aroma and flavor I, th- I think i think those descriptors on the can are bang on they that they absolutely describe what's in the glass right now yeah and this is this for me is a very very good showcase of the mosaic hop i have to admit for me well considering that it's a hop that's been causing a bit of a stir this year in yeah. terms of its change in flavor profile and and to the point where we even um did a poll on it recently as well this is actually tasting really really good it is tasting really really good and usually for this kind of beer the, the quality of it i'd say maybe on cast but actually do you know what i wouldn't mind having this on draft on a keg line you know a little bit maybe a little bit more carbonated and a bit cooler i reckon especially on a day like today day of recording we're probably having maybe our last throws of the summer this week. And um, if you'd been outside the bike for a couple of hours, going to a tap into the tap room and have that, I reckon you'd last about five minutes in the glass. We should probably crack on um, <laughs> because otherwise it's going to be one then where the beer's gone and we've not even really got into the show. But yeah, we'll come back to, to, to some more thoughts on this as, as and when it finishes in, in the glass. Exactly. So, I know, Steve, I don't know. Have you been up to anything recently? Yes. Um, Would you like to share your beery adventures with the listeners? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start with the most recent one and probably the biggest one. Uh, so this this past weekend, uh, Emma and I went to Leeds. It was actually a bit of a bit, bit of a gift for me from Em um, because it's it's my birthday soon. So she said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Oh, I'd really like to go to Leeds. Can we go to Leeds?" And she said, "Yeah, okay, we'll go to Leeds." So we got a really good deal on on a hotel. It was a bit last minute, uh, and then I I started. I went into full planning mode as 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 to what I wanted to do while I was up there. Interestingly now, though, it's a bit more difficult to plan to, to, to visit various places because you do have to think about booking, 
and are the places that you're going to do they take bookings and once you've got a booking is it a timed booking as well so you do have to kind of work out right okay well we're going to go here for this time we might only spend an hour there uh, and then we're going to go somewhere else how long is it going to take to walk there and all the rest of it so managed to get pretty much booked in to everywhere that we wanted to go so it was it, it was it was fairly fairly good in in terms of planning what we were going to do but no, for me, it was just a case of wanting to, to, to revisit some of the places that I, I fell in love with when I, when I used to spend a lot of time in Leeds um, and also try, try out some of the new places as well that have, that have opened since. Uh, and at the same time, to, to catch up with a, with a few friends and a few listeners of the show while I was up there. I mean, you know, when you said you were going, you messaged me and you, obviously, you, were, you could tell you were excited on the message. And I just had... Um, multi-tab spreadsheet in my head because you'd have to plan and book as you say um and there are a certain amount of ones you'd want to do and the weekend probably for Leeds isn't enough time to tick every box so um okay question one out of all the old favorites is there is there was there a top um probably still the north bar um it's it's a place that is uh, acknowledged and recognized as being the first craft beer bar in the uk um they've had a slight refurbishment since since i i've last been in in there but it's lost none of the characteristics uh their their service was very very good it was no booking uh, at north bar it was just walk-ins only um but you're greeted at the door you, you, you're shown to your table you're shown you're given menus you're told how to order that that sort of thing i'd say that the only downside was one one of the things that north bar are known for is their selection of belgian beer in the fridge but they didn't have a menu for that so you had to kind of request to go and stand at the bar to look in the fridge to see what they had so that that would be a very very minor thing in in, in terms of it but it was it was great to go back up there and and, and to experience the place and it was it was absolutely we were in there about it's about six o'clock on a saturday evening and it was it was absolutely buzzing in there it wasn't it wasn't packed by any any length of the imagination but it was it was busy do they still sell cannonball no, they don't. They, they, they don't. They're, um, most, most of their lines are now North Brewing um, beers. As, as it would uh, be. Yeah, fair enough. It's, it's so that company. particular ritual of yours then, Steve, is no more? It's, it's not, no, but probably... Uh, for the best. Uh, probably for the best. <laughs> a, pint, a pint of Cannonball at that time on Saturday would have been the last thing that I needed. <laughs> and out of the new places then, so out of places which you hadn't been to before... What, what was your standout? Oh, this is, this is a real tough one. And it's, I, I, I'm not going to be able to split them. I'm really not. Um, the, the, the Thornbridge pub, the Banker's Cat, is, is, is absolutely stunning. It's, it's a fantastic renovation of a building they've done there, e even to the point where down in the, in, in, in the basement where the, the toilet is, they've, they've renovated the old vault that's in there as well and you can actually sit inside the old steel vault and there are tables in there and it's it's just traditionally it looks like a traditional pub um and one of the real standout things about it is that they've got this stained glass window that that's got the three individual images from their barrel aged sour beers oh really in, in the oh, excellent 
I was I was unable to get a picture of it. I'm I'm really gutted, but it looked absolutely beautiful and and it, it was absolutely stunning. And you know, I was very excited walking into to, to the Thornbridge um pub um to get my hands on a a pint of sparkled cask Jaipur, um only to be greeted with the Jaipur pump clip turned around. I, I almost almost wept in into my hands at that point. Um, but on having a quick chat with a server, he said, oh, it's okay. We're only cleaning the line uh, with the, the cast just kicked. We'll, we'll put another one on soon. So actually the first pint of Jaipur I had was absolutely mega fresh as well. Um, and it was absolutely stunning. It was so stunning that it didn't last very long in the glass. That's, that's for sure. And, and until I then went on to another one and, <laughs> and another one and a couple more later on as well. <laughs> I, I think we went back in there later on as well for, for oh, a second visit. Excellent. I mean, I now you referenced the, um, stained glass windows i do remember seeing that picture but yeah it's loads of places i've been to especially like churches and cathedrals and you can never do with, with a especially with a camera phone you can never do a stained glass window justice no no because you've got to get the light just right haven't you yeah. to, to really bring it to life so so that was lovely and then after there so it was, it was on the friday evening um went to Brownhill and co which is used to be the the the, the, the sibling of, of little leeds beer house Owned, owned by the same people, but now also the home of Little Leeds Beer House. That's that's where Little Leeds Beer House now lives. They've, they've got oh, that's, that's where there. they've moved to, isn't it? Yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic little place. Um, and I know from talking to, to, to Rich in the past when he was saying about setting it up that he had a very strong influence from Belgium in, in, in terms of the places that they visit there. And you can feel that you, you walk in and I, I think, I think normally it's table service, let, let alone in, in these times, but we, we walked in, we sat down again. It wasn't very busy, fantastic selection of beer on. I mean, I had, uh, two, two halves of the, the, the Colonel and new Barnes, ipa collaboration the galaxy ipa collaboration and oh my word what an incredible beer that that was that's that has gone straight into my beer of the year contender sort of sheet because it was it was so tasty it was just everything you wanted from a kernel beer with all these different grains bringing different elements to it as well but then you had that typical kind of kernel haze and that that very very typical kernel finish to it yeah, well, I mean, these guys are spread, you know, sprung from the kernel, aren't they? Originally, yes, yeah. Um, I've had a cut. I've had a couple of their beers now, and you can sort of feel the DNA in there with the way the beers are. That's uh, the the smooth mouthfeel and how much they seem to get from every ingredient they're putting in it as well. Um, so I suppose it was only natural for them to do uh, collaboration. I actually, quite like the um, the design of the the, the label as well. Yeah, because it's a it's a kernel beer, so it's it's the kernel who have collabed with New Barnes, not the other way around. But it's kind of like yeah, the the New Burn, Barnes logo is set into the kernel, yeah, lo- like that plain brown wrap. Works really well, I thought. It Works does, really but well. it really makes your eyes go funny, doesn't it? When, yeah. when you see that that label, because it's like oh, I, I recognise that, but I don't. Yeah, I, I know that, but it's different. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a great experience in, in, in there as well, just, just sitting in there, have, having a couple of kernels, and then I think, think I finished with a, a 9% Imperial Coffee Stout as well, which was really, really delicious, and, and exactly what I was looking for at that point, after I had, because up to that point it had been like 
pint of Kipling, two Jaipurs, two Colonels. I was I was ready for something that that wasn't PAL or or, or, or um, IPA. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, how much did you cry when you left Leeds, Steve? A lot. I, I mean, I I've gone on record many times. I personally, I think Leeds is probably the best beery city in the UK. I think the the, the thing that maybe sets it apart from the likes of Manchester or Sheffield is it's probably not as dominated by brewery taps as some of the other big cities. And the, 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 the good beer scene is, is more about the venues and, and the range of beers that they've got on. It's quite well. condensed as well, isn't it? Yeah. You can get, you can get to most places easily by foot. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it was great. It was the first time I've been back in three years and I'm certainly not going to leave it three years before I, I, I go back again um, because it's well, the scene has changed so much in that time and it's still changing as, as yeah. well. Well, it, the, the beer scene seemingly in Leeds just seems to continually evolve and either keeps pace or is slightly ahead of it sometimes. Um, I guess the last time you were there, the same as uh, when we went up for the Leeds uh, Beer Festival. I, I, think that was, I thought that was the last time, but then I realised I went back a couple of months later that same year for, for Dark City, because um, I met up with Wayne and Janice. We, we did Dark City and then we went oh. to, uh, to, to, to Magic Rock in Huddersfield. So, so yeah, it was almost three years to the date that, that I've, I've, I've since been up there. But like I say, I mean, we, we spent two days up there. We did mostly bars and pubs. We, we got to one brewery. Um, we went to Nomadic Beers, uh, which is just, just on the outskirts of the town centre, about a 20-minute walk from the town centre, um, where, where we caught up with Mike and Katie, who, who run it, um, talking about their ethos around what they're brewing, very traditional beers, um, but all served in the tap room. And, and it was good to have a, a, a chat with Mike about sort of how the whole last few months has really impacted on them. And, mm. you, you know, they were saying they were just beginning to get um, their beers, their cask beers into a lot of pubs and venues in, in, in Leeds. And, and the whole thing has, has knocked them back because there are less lines now. So it's very, very difficult for them to, to, to get their cask beers back into, in, into pubs. So they're quite, they're quite pleased that they've got their tap room which, which was fairly busy for, for a Saturday. Uh, it was late Saturday afternoon by the time we got there. Um, and that, it was nice to see that, you, you know, local people are supporting a, a small local business. Well, not just local people, because not anywhere you and Emma there from Essex, wasn't one of our friends from Essex Bottle Share also in there? Yeah, randomly walked into this brewery tap on the outskirts of Leeds to see Anna from from the six bottle share sat there she just waved at me she's like hello so so yeah and, and, and by all accounts she came she was up there for the weekend as well so she was up on the friday night and the saturday as as, as well and again also heading home on on the sunday but um no as i say mate i'm, I'm definitely not going to leave it that long again next time i i, I do love the place i, I really do and uh, i think the places that i visited and and i think i possibly said this on twitter I was really impressed with all of the service in, in all of the places that I visited. Everything was bang on from them taking your details to showing you to the table, to explaining how to order, to how they bought their drinks to you. Um, at every step, I, I felt completely comfortable and, and completely safe. And, and I also felt completely happy in, in, in giving the 
required details to, to, to that venue as well. Excellent. I mean, it's, it, I, I was, there was a little bit of envy. I had a bit of a bad work week and I had to carry on working on Saturday and um, Steve check-ins kept on coming up and Steve Twitter was like, fuck's sake, need to finish this work. <laughs> and, and just, just in case you missed them on Twitter, there was the odd occasion where I was just sending you the pictures directly yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, he may have muted me on Facebook, Twitter. Let's see if he can mute my WhatsApp. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased you had a good time, especially as it was a bit of a birthday treat. So yes, M did well there. Yeah, yeah, she did, and like like I say, I'm, I am really grateful for that, and and it was it was a fab time, and uh, uh, just just a massive shout out to to Rob and to Gareth and to Becky, who we caught up with while I was up there. Uh, it was nice to see some some old familiar faces, and and it was also nice to catch up catch up with Rich uh, Brownhill and Co as well, and see see how they're doing as as, as a business too. Brilliant. Now you said that was the. First, is there another beer adventure you have to share? There was. I just. I just want to mention this because I promised that I would. So uh, a couple of weeks ago now, um, the Lantern Rouge in Newcastle, which is a bar that I think we ended up in at Belgium. the end of yeah at, at the end of the Crimbo Core. It wasn't part of the official route, but it was kind of a after hours thing that we decided we were going to go in there because it was all Belgian beer. Yeah, because that's what we needed was some strong Belgian beers at the end of the day in Newcastle, wasn't it? Yes. Um, now, every year they organise a thing to coincide with Tour de France, which is on at the moment, a little bit later than it normally is, um, called Drink the Gradient. So they choose a stage of the tour, which goes like a hilly stage, obviously, one, one that goes up. Um, and then they look at the gradients and say, right, OK, that, that's, that's the stage we're going to choose. Now we're going to drink some beer to match those gradients. So they, they chose the stage, which was on, um, I think it was the first Saturday of the tour. Um, so it was a week into the race. There were three climbs. Uh, one was 8.1, one was 7.7, .7, and one was 7.8. They put together an official box of beers that, that you could get from a number of places in Newcastle. Sadly, none of them did, did mail order. Um, and it was a very, very Belgian-leaning box, as you would expect from yeah. the, the venue, but also the, the tradition and the history of Belgium and cycling and the Tour de France. Um, so me being me, I was like, I've, I've got to have something in my stash that, that matches these. And I managed to find three beers with the exact percentages of, of the three gradients. Um, so I did uh, Gibraltar Porter from Cheshire Brewhouse to start. Then I did Torside Valor, which was a 1917 Imperial Stout recipe. And then I did uh, a beer from Pahala, which was a chili and chocolate porter. Um, so all dark, um, but all absolutely matching the, the, the gradients. But I bookended those with, uh, with two sours of, of, of all things, um, because the, the suggested beers for, for the official box were, were kind of, you know, something light to start off with um, and, and then something to have as a, as a celebration beer at the end when, you, you, you know, the, the, the rider of the day and the yellow jerseys awarded and all of that. And, and one of those beers was an absolute standout. So it was from Vault City, who are based in Dundee. And it's a sweet cherry Bakewell sour. So it came in at 7%. It was the last beer that I had as part of that little afternoon's drinking. And it was absolutely delicious. It literally hit everything it said on the label. It was like drinking a cherry bakewell. It wasn't, le wasn't overly sour e either. It was more tart. And there was this kind of 
very subtle saline quality to it as well and it just works so well after an afternoon of dark beers but really incredible beer and it's just a great little thing to get involved in as well and and something that that that's going to be an annual thing for me now is is getting involved in that drink the gradient event oh, because you know next year next year i wouldn't mind having a piece of that i mean um quite enjoyed watching the tour de france in the afternoon with no volume when i've been working when i can get off a few calls um that sour cherry does it taste like a does it taste genuinely does it taste like a bakewell tart yes okay i don't like bakewell tarts all right see, see now despite my aversion to marzipan and that that kind of almond flavoring that you get um i really i i'm a massive fan of bakewell tarts and that beer was just bang on it just did everything it said on the label so so impressed with that potentially we've found a sour beer that you'll drink and i might not quite possibly yeah that could be a first yes you've heard, heard it, it here, here. yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely so, so yeah that's that's what that's what i've been up to really i mean i will i will say that for, for me that drink the gradient allowed me to marry those two passions of i've always been a massive fan of the tour de france and, and to be able to sit there on the afternoon and, and kind of drink along each of these climbs, but also because they had obviously hashtag drink the gradient on Twitter. So there was a few other people getting involved and there was a bit, there was a really nice community feel to it as well. Now I, I understand that in normal circumstances, they actually do it as an event at the venue. So I'm thinking if, if things are, are opening up next year, it, it might be a nice little trip to actually go and do that at the venue. That'd be good. That would be good fun, especially with having it on the camaraderie around it, co commonality of, of interest as well. Um, messy afternoon. Oh, it was a messy afternoon. Um, and, and I obviously carried on into the evening. As, as so well. to use another cycling analogy, you went downhill after that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I descended rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've spoken for long enough, mate, because I've still got quite a lot of beer in, in, in my glass. Yeah, I, well. I haven't. So shall I let you drink a little bit and I'll, uh, I'll share my yeah, recent yeah. adventures. T tell me what you've been up to. <laughs> um, I haven't actually been up to too much, having referenced uh, how busy work has been. But a um, friend of the show, Matt Chinnery, was visiting um, Leon C. Brewery on uh, Friday evening, um, messaged me about in the morning just saying he's going to be over my neck of the woods because it's only uh, three or four miles away. Not very good by public transport, but it was a nice Friday. I've got the bike and I thought, yeah, I've had a long week. Let's, let's, let's go over and meet him. So I went over to Leon C, who obviously we had on the show probably a year ago now. And um, yeah, sat out in their yard. Um, Rob... Uh, Rob Hayward was also there. He used to be at ELB. He used to work with Matt. And um, he's now at Leon C. And um, had some really nice beers. Just sitting outside. Three of them were cast beers. Had the Legra on draft. They had a mild, which was really tasty. 3.9%. Um, it, it wasn't a mild that you often find these days. Or maybe even at all. It just had a really nice chocolate malt characters to it. But there was definitely some fruity, fruity notes from the hops coming through. Uh, very tasty. Spent three or so hours there. Left about eight o'clock. Got the, you know, cycled home. Um, most of my other drinking over the last uh, week, week and a half has generally been um, at home. And 
I only really one. I've, I've had lots of good beers because I've had a few US beers and I've had my kernel delivery. So, you know, but without me just literally repeating myself about those beers, um, I was lucky enough to get sent a homebrew from a friend of the show, Michael McGorty, um, a homebrew American stout. One bottle, safely delivered, put it in the fridge same day, checked with him, okay to drink straight away. Yep. Um, and it, in, you will look forward to this, Steve. I don't know whether you've got it in the fridge already. Um, black IPA qualities, very much so, especially, uh, Michael said, when you're having it cold straight from the fridge. It didn't last that long in the glass. Easily four plus on untapped and just a really, really drinkable beer. Um, I know that Michael's really stepped up his home brewing during um, this, these last few months with everyone having a bit more time on their hands. And um, he's doing really well with it. He's, he's, he's a good, good brewer. Um, if only it ever worked in beer, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Michael, thank you very much for sending that through. It was a top beer. Loved it. It definitely put me in mind of Black IPA. Uh, and that's really it. I, re I definitely haven't got any leads type stories. Oh, I've got a bottle of that from, from, from Michael as, as well, obviously. So, so thanks, Michael, for sending that through to us. And um, yeah, I am, I, I've seen some, some, some good comments um, about that beer as, as, as well. So I am very much looking forward to, to, to giving it a go. I may well crack that uh, this coming weekend and look forward to enjoying that. With that... I've caught up a little bit while, while, you've, while you've been sharing some of your beers over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I've almost done with the Neptune Mosaic. Um, have you got any final thoughts on, on this, mate? Well, ra ra more of a comment than a final thought. I don't reckon you had to struggle to uh, get that catch up, did you? Not, not all, no. It's, it's, that's the thing about it. It's so easy to drink. Yeah. It's, it's exactly how you want... Uh, a 4.5% parallel to, to, to taste and to, to, to feel in the glass. It's, it's light, it's packed full of flavour, and it's got a really easy finish to it as, as, yeah. as well. And I could, have, I could have easily sunk a few of these over the, uh, over the quite warm summer that we've had. Yes, oh, definitely. Um, on, no, nothing really to add on top of that, just probably... If we weren't recording, I reckon that's, that's finished five or 10 minutes earlier. It, once it's in the glass yeah. and you've got that aroma, those first couple of glugs, and like you said, it's so well balanced. You know, it's a real good showcase of not just a mosaic single hop beer, but what you can do with a single hop beer, whatever hop you're using, if you do it right. Absolutely. I, 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 can't, I can't agree more with, with what you said there. Um, and also going back to what we referenced earlier, I'm, I'm getting none of that dodgy mosaic-ness that, that has been touted as, well, as, as going around. Well, a few, I mean, you know, and again, I haven't really experienced it at all, whether that be mosaic on its own or mosaic as part of another beer um, with other hops. But I think a few, a few people have been saying like soapy qualities and stuff like that. And this beer is just so clean. It is so clean. It's, it's, it's quite sharp in its flavour, but it's not harsh. It's balanced. Yeah, this is, if I hadn't had Mosaic before, this would be just going straight into my top three ones anyway. So thank you very much, Neptune. Yes, very grateful for that. And, and with that, we'll move on to their second beer of the evening. 
So this is uh, Wooden Ships from Neptune Brewery again. And this is an American parallel coming in at 4.7% this time. Yeah, only a 0.2 uh, step up. Very, I'm actually, I'm based on a, the first beer and the fact it says American Pale Ale and Centennial Hops. I'm quite excited about this one. <sighs> Mate, look, I, I know our listeners are going to appreciate it, but look at the colour of that. I know. <laughs> it's, it's that perfect sort of amber, orangey, Pale Ale colour. It's got a beautiful white head to it. The aroma is stunning. Oh, let's stop talking. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it's just, again, it's just from that first sip. How drinkable is that? It's different fruity notes, isn't it? Whereas that, yeah. the, the mosaic was all tropical. This is back to that more piney uh, kind of citrusy notes. And again, but that dry finish is there at the end, isn't it? Yeah. As well. Absolutely. Again, the, the, the tasting notes say um, lemon, floral and orange blossom flavours guaranteed for a smooth sailing. Um, and I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. It has got that sort of lemon, orange pithiness towards yeah. the end, but there is a floral quality to it as, as well. It is smooth. It's a, I mean, again, the carbonation is brilliant. It is a very, very smooth mouthfeel. Um, we're going to have to crack on, mate, because... Well, yeah, we can't, we can't wax, wax lyrical too much about it because we've got, to, we've got to get through the news. First up this week is the news that our friends at Brew York have uh, expanded. So they've moved into a new 13,000 square foot unit um, in York, uh, which sees them being able to increase their capacity, basically. That's, that's the reason behind this move. Uh, the demand is there. There's more and more demand for their beers, so they need to find a way of, of meeting that demand. Uh, the new site will house the main brewery, uh, which will immediately increase their production from 880,000 pints a year um, to around 4 million pints of year, a year. That's what? Quite Quite an increase, isn't it? Wow, that's that's a massive jump. And so, um, just to be clear, does the press release say pints? It says pints. Yes. Oh, love! I love Lee at yeah, Brew York. Yeah. Um, and also, the unit has scope to double that again should the demand arise in the future. So they've they've wow. obviously they've obviously bought a new location with with a view view to the future as well. Uh, in regards to the existing site that they've got, the canning line and large vessel vessels will move over to the new location, but the original kit will remain for small scale special brewing projects. Uh, as far as the beer hall, tap room, and shop are concerned, it will be largely business as usual. I mean that's that's great news that even during these difficult times. Um, a, a brewery that we're both very familiar with and whose beers that we enjoy um, and who we know engage regularly with us um, in and around the show have, have been able to expand by that sort of capacity. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw the picture on, um, so on the socials and it's a, it does look like a massive site. Um, you know, 13,000 square feet, it's a bit like saying, you know, X amount of hectolitres. It's, uh, it's like when someone says six football pitches, I can go, oh yeah, I can, I can work that one out. But I think when you said from 800,000 pints to 4 million, that's, that's that is a hell of a jump, isn't it? Plus, same again, if need be. I mean, th th they've given themselves options there, whether that be for them to expand themselves or whether they can rent that space out to someone else or someone does a bit of cuckoo or gypsy brewing. Who knows? But 
it's brilliant news and yes especially during what has been a bit of a shitter this year for, in 2020 no so well done to lee and all the brew york team absolutely and, and we will get there eventually we, we will yes get to york we, we, we've eventually. got revised plans we've got revised plans to so keep the fingers crossed yeah it'd be great it'd be great to see that um the other story in this week's news is the um the ongoing what can only be termed as supermarket wars now uh when we put our last show out a couple of weeks ago it was just on the back of morrison's having announced a whole new load of releases go going into their store um mainly a new range of 440 mil can but i think the one that um everybody kind of lost their shit about was the omnipolo yeah going into a, a number of stores as well this was uh, almost immediately countered by uh, tesco saying that they were going to reduce all of their full 440 mil cans to two pounds for for a week and the ones that were 350 were going to go down to 250 um, and then on the back of that we saw a whole new load of releases from tesco last week as as, as well in, in, including some some pretty big beers going in there one in particular being the first beer from a new brewery um which was a collab with vocation um the the new brewery the, the name escapes me at the moment but it's been set up by uh, i think it's james campbell who was the original co-founder of Cloudwater. now they've, they've he's decided yes first beer as a collab into Tesco, which which kind of says something about where we are with supermarket beer right right now. And the, the, the thing that doesn't sit quite well with me with that one is, is what they called it as well. So they called it 15 mile round trip, which was basically having a dig at that very famous rant that somebody had two years or so ago when Tesco first started putting these beers out saying, oh, I've done a 15 mile round trip and none of the beers are available. I mean, to be honest, I'll most of this Tesco Morrison's war has sort of escaped me as it's based largely based in Instagram world. Well, um, that's, and I that's, think that's the other thing about your social media. And really, if you had, I think you shared a couple of the links with me and a few other people mentioned it. I had to keep on going back to bloody Instagram to go and have a look at what was going on because I am an infrequent user of Instagram and I tend to follow beer people rather than, just just beer things in general and i don't go looking for certain hashtags um and you know obviously people have definitely had a few comments to say about it and i can see merits of arguments on both sides you know uh, race to the bottom the cans being reduced so much what are the breweries getting for this i think the only thing i would say is as far as i'm aware none of the breweries have been forced to put their beers into supermarkets um the guy who used to be at Cloudwater, basically he's just taking a leaf out of Brewdog's book, Brewdog got their cash cow to start off with by having a regular beer going through Tesco. You've got cash in the bank. No business survives without cash in the bank. You can be fucking brilliant at brewing your beer. You don't have money coming in. You're sh you're you're out. You're done. Um, yeah. and and it's, it's it's it has been a difficult time for breweries. You, you you know obviously they've not been able to put their beers into their their normal outlets in terms of you know you know pubs and bars and maybe not all the bottle shops they've been used to using. So maybe some breweries have actively sought out to, to be listed with, with the supermarkets. But just, just picking up on, on, on the point you make there about, yes, it's, it's, it's a war that's very much being waged on Instagram, which 
again, if we go back to the discussion that we had on our last show, both of those businesses are therefore missing out on a whole load of customers. Like I said, for me, they lost out on my rushing off to Morrison's or Tesco because I didn't know about it. It'd be interesting to know what other people think about a, a, the fact that did it bypass them because it was an Instagram? Because like you say, we know that a lot of our listenership is, is Twitter. And also, you know, again, what are people thinking about this one way or the other? We know that we usually get some very, some divisive thoughts and we don't want it to be too divisive, but has anyone got hold of them? Has anyone tried them? I mean, ultimately, are the beers any good? Yeah. Are there any standouts in there that we should be looking for? So with that, let's dive in to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. And as is becoming usual now, we're, we're just actually going to go over uh, a couple of the other polls that we're not going to feature th- this week. So first up, uh, we asked the question, has a hop variety ever changed so much that it stopped you from drinking a particular beer? This was very much around comments that we've picked up recently about the Mosaic hop. Yep. Which we seem to have actually dispelled that, 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 that rumour tonight. Well, definitely for us, we have. Definitely yes. for us. Yeah. Uh, we had 172 votes on that. 15.1% of people saying yes. Uh, 84.9% of people that saying no. And I think the, 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 the main... Uh, theme that came out of that was a lot of people saying that they, they simply didn't think their, their their palate and their taste was refined enough to be able to taste if there were any differences between hops from year to year. And I'm sure there's going to be times when I'd be the same. Um, all I can reference is that the mosaic I had tonight and other beers with mosaic in it for me is still, is still a, one of my top hops. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something I'm not avoiding at, at the moment. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, the other one was uh, our most recent poll, uh, which was obviously quite topical. Definitely. Will the rule of six and the legal requirement for pubs to keep your contact details for track and trace purposes affect your decision to go to the pub? 464 votes, 16.6% of people said yes, 83.4% of people said no. Now, I think the takeaway from that is that a lot of people still seem to want to be able to support the industry at the moment. For me, uh, where I am and what I want from a pub, I'm fine with the rule of six, if I'm being honest. I think it makes things a bit simpler. I have been in a few places recently, and again, with the good weather, groups outside. I mean, they can't even understand way in, way out one in one out for the toilets so at least if there's less of them congregating it may make it more comfortable and hopefully therefore you may even attract a few more people going in because they're not likely to come up against uh big groups because you can't big groups won't be to say yes i know there's 30 of us but still only six households yeah like fuck it is so yeah I'm, i'm 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 personally i'm fine with it and as you said steve you were happy giving all your contact details at the weekend in Leeds absolutely yeah I mean we give out contact details all the time yeah one way or another I I, I don't get people that are trying to make a thing of of this giving away their contact details I think I saw someone today it might have been one of the comments in response to this poll so somebody said you know whenever you whenever you fire up Twitter in a public space on a public Wi-Fi you're giving away your contact details so why are you moaning about giving away your contact details to support the industry yeah, if, that, if that's all you have to do, as well as buying a drink, then I'm fine. Again, I'm fine with it. Um, I, I, the only pr- problem I do have is places literally just having a clipboard to the side of a door you come in. It's not always in an obvious place. Um, I would much rather do something where I do it on my phone. 
rather yeah. than rather than pick up a pen that someone's used two minutes before me. Yes, yeah, that's the thing because that kind of negates the whole thing a little bit. Because <laughs> are they cleaning the pen? Probably not. It's, they've, no. they've probably not even thought about that though, have they? Let's, no, let's, but let's, it's let's occurred to me. Yeah. But then it also it's occurred to me because when we did our uh, risk assessment for our return to work, that's one of the things about literally no sharing of pens, no walking past someone's desk and just picking up someone else's pen, that kind of stuff. And literally, and most places I've been to have been, can you sign in here? Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's a top tip. Always take a pen with you these days. Yeah, as, as well as your mask. As well, as well, as well mask as your and mask. pen. Yeah. Mask and pen. Um, so, yeah, what do, uh, you got any issue with it? I mean, no, I, I haven't. I was like I say, I was more than happy, even in um, a, a different city at, at the weekend, to be sharing my details in every single place I went because I wanted to be able to enjoy beers there. And at the moment, I appreciate that the only way I can get into a venue is to let them have my details. I, I, I would rather know if, if all of a sudden, you know, I get a phone call from one of those venues saying, "I'm really sorry, but when you was in, we had someone in who's who's now poorly. You might need to think about getting yourself tested." I'm I'm fine with that. I'd I'd rather have that phone call and no rather than not no. Well, yeah, because I'm not going to get that. If I have to go back to London, I'm not going to get that from Greater Anglia, am I? No. So yeah, I, if it's somewhere like that and they actually take the time and trouble to, I don't know, do some sort of block text message, for example, on mass, I'd rather know. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's about keeping ourselves and it's about keeping others safe. Yeah, so, and ultimately keeping the economy still going, that people still have their livelihoods. And so that we can continue to drink in these wonderful places. Yes, exactly. Thanks to everyone that contributed to both of those polls. We do really appreciate it. I'm sorry that we're not going into them in, in any more detail than that. But there are links in the show notes. If you want to click through, you can have a look at all the responses and you can always get involved using the hashtag opinions. Now, moving on to this week's main poll, the one that we're going to feature and the one that we're going to get into a bit more. The question that we're asking is, do breweries need to keep up with the times to continue to attract your attention? 625 votes. 33.4% of people said yes, 66.6% of people said no. From Dr. Gabby Wolferink, I think so, yes. There's nothing wrong with keeping and being proud of some bangers that are indeed timeless, but I'm also always at the lookout for new things from breweries I know, even if I love their old faves. So somewhere in the middle, I guess, for me. And then from Mosaic Mike at Mike's Taproom. No, personally, these days, I'm much more interested in drinking what I know to be good quality beer than I am the, pure, than, than the purest of the latest fashion in beer. Whilst innovation is fantastic, I think it's important that we also remember what we're actually really good at. From Captain Hindsight at Ian Sutton 12. No, I'm really to be okay with the balance I have now. I love exploring new styles from newer and cutting edge breweries but some of them can't or won't produce high quality cask. I'm happy to return to the old dependables regularly. From Martin at Six Towns Mart, definitely not. West Mile Triple is class. Novelty beers are okay for a half, but I want saying it meets the second pint test. For example, Fornbridge, Roosters, Kirkstall, Abdale. From Pete at Hops and Hoops, definitely no to me. Beer is a delicious alcoholic beverage and not a fashion accessory. I, Paul Am, at FPL Beer Club. The further people are into this murky juice haze movement, the more I regress into a good standard IPA, bitter, pale or lager. Some things are just consistently well made. And from Chris Healy, at Chris Healy. All breweries need to do to keep my attention is develop, at the very least, one, 
but ideally free core beers that you'll buy time and time again to enjoy instead of buying it just because they have a new release that you'd never buy again, even if they did continue to sell it. From Anthony Derbyshire at Bottled Hops. If it's a good quality set of beers, then I will happily go back to them. I found myself less and less going for the new. Problem is, if it's a newish unknown brewery, it's much which it's it's the new which will attract people to them. From Jules Gray at Beer Revere. I don't mind the odd one, but I don't expect all beers to taste like that. It'd be like eating a mango ice cream for every meal, and sometimes you want an earthy rocket salad. Crisp, peppery, bitter, earthy, floral. Um, I think Steve wants those notes in beers, but I can't ever see him eating an earthy rocket salad. I don't don't think I've ever said the phrase, I just want an earthy rocket salad, please. No, never going to happen. Just Beer Barry at Just Beer Barry. There are enough brewers doing trendy, wacky, novelty stuff, and just as many brewers doing the traditional stuff to keep me happy. There appears to be room for both. Russ Clark at Gentleman of Beer. I think there's a mix of thought here. Yes, breweries should keep in touch with what's happening, new trends, techniques, and what people are buying. But no, the constant keeping up with the Joneses isn't the way to go. And then final comment this week from your boy, Rob Edwards at Rob Edwards 90. The constant pursuit of new can lead to a lot of mediocre beer. I think the latest trend is that more and more people are getting off the hype train at the next stop and calling the classics to say, I still love you. On the other hand, if breweries are genuinely trying something new and experimental, as opposed to just following trends, then that can be extremely positive. Some great comments there this week, and that's just a snapshot, as, as, as always, of all of the comments we had. Um, again, there's a link in the show notes to this, this particular question. If you want to click through, you can have a look at all of the comments on this one. Uh, but mine, where do you sit on this one? What are your thoughts on, on, on this particular topic? I think generally I fall into the, I quite like a brewery having a core range. Um, and I know that we've spoken about Colonel before, not having a core range because the beers change all the time, but you know what beers they have, pale, IPA, brown, dark, maybe some sours. They, they have a core range, but the styles evolve. Um, you know, uh, Formbridge have a core range, but they've be, they, they, they regularly bang out new beers. But because they have a core range that I love, or at least like a lot of them, then I will probably try the new ones. But I'm probably less likely to try new, new beers of new styles from a brewery I'm unfamiliar with because I haven't had a chance to see if they can consistently brew the same beer over and over again. And that's where, if we take, say, let's put macros to one side, that's where... And I know there's not a lot of love for some of them, but that's where the regional brewers, they do generally crack out the same beers time and time again. And that's what a lot of people do go for. The fact that they can get a consistently good pint of beer, but it's the same beer wherever the, in a different venue. You know, I will usually have a beer that I know. Take the Ale House in Chelmsford. Nearly always have Oakham Citra on. Now I probably will look at the beer list while I've got my pint of Oakham Citra. Because I know Oakham Citra. It's part of their core range. I know it. I trust it. I really like it. And then I might have a little look to see if there's anything else from them or other people. So I like I like trying new beers. But my beer cupboard definitely has a lot of beers 
from breweries whose core range I trust. Even if the core range isn't in my cupboard, I trust their core range, so I trust their new stuff. What about you? Uh, it's going to come as no surprise to anyone that I'm much the same as, as, as you. I, I do like a brewery to have mastered a, a, a core range to almost demonstrate their pedigree in, in terms of, look, we've got this beer and we can brew it time and time again and it will taste exactly the same time and time again. So if you need something that's dependent and reliable, you can always come back to it. But while we've got these core beers over here, we're going to do some experimental stuff over here and we're going to bring you some new releases and we're going to, we're going to try things with you and see if you like those. Because actually one day, if one of those is really popular, it might end up becoming a core beer. So I, I think for me, it's very much about making sure making sure you've got that reputation that that you brew good beers and i think if we take a brewery we, we mentioned earlier on this evening um some new barns have released have, have have started a new brewery and 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 they've released what seems to be three three what are going to be their core beers yeah as as part of that and so they've got those out there they're, they're, they're getting those into people's into people's hearts and minds people are enjoying them and then they'll start saying okay well actually look here's here's one that we did with the colonel so and here's some other things that we're doing as well but actually while you've got that you can still really enjoy these new beers that we released so i i, I think it's i think it's very much a, about about that for me it's about it's about really having that proving ground of saying we can brew good solid good beers that you're going to enjoy time and time again I think it's also interesting because part of this you could take back to that conversation we were having about supermarkets and the supermarket wars. It, it feels as though some breweries are being pushed almost by the supermarkets to constantly come up with new beers. It's like, right, we, we, we need a new beer for this, for this season's release. It's going to be on the shelves for four months and then we need something new next time because it always has to be, we always want something new because what our customers want is new, 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 new. They don't want the same old thing that they've always seen and and i think i'm not sure whether that's helping or hindering the industry at the moment um a lot well a lot of those beers are still coming from breweries who you know have got proven track record with their core ranges um i think with the with some of the newer breweries perhaps again have they got the proving ground there was the proving ground the beers going in the supermarket at two pound fifty a pop um, you may just be proving the fact that people like spending £2.50. So it maybe it's not so easy to judge. But like I said, I think a core range doesn't have to mean you're dull and boring and predictable. It literally means you're actually very good at what you do. And then, like you say, you can go and look over here. I mean, look at Burning Sky. They have a, they have a core range of beers, like the Easy Answers IPA, for example which is a million miles away from their racy fermented beer, you know, their, their fermentation beers, that they're a world apart. I mean, for some people, they would not put those two aspects of that brewery together. But if you get to love some of those other beers of theirs, which are probably a bit easier, and especially if you're new to the scene, then you get to love the brand, you get to love the beers, and you think, oh, okay, well, I've seen these beers before. I've seen this brand before. Tell you what, I'll try that. 750 bottle that says it's a bit of a saison i've got no idea what it is but i love their other beers and i think it generally most of the breweries i think 
stand out are the ones who have the core range. You know, even the states, the, you know, some of the, some of the, I mean, goodness sake, Sierra Nevada. I mean, they bring out plenty of new beers, but they still have the American Pale Ale and they still have Torpedo. So, yeah, I think you and I are probably pretty well aligned and seemingly, but I don't think you should ever not innovate. No, no, because it's, it's, it's innovation that keeps you, it, it keeps you fresh and it, it, yeah. it keeps your, it keeps your skills honed and it keeps you good at what you're good at as, as, as well, because it's, it, it's good to try new things and it's, it's good to learn from trying new things as well. Yeah. And that's where sometimes you see the, that's where the collaboration sometimes spark that innovation, um, you know, and, and like you say, it's evolving. And also for some brewers, it, probably quite exciting to have that break from doing the normal let's go and do something exciting you give me a bit of a you know an open book a clean sheet i can sort of do what i want um but maybe don't do it at, at the expense of your quality consistent core range yeah i, I, I agree I, again there's not a lot more I, I can add to what you've already said there we'd love to hear from our listeners on this one use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself being included in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down first of all many thanks to everybody for the birthday messages that we got uh, on the last show but some more more of the specific comments um from the last show from johnny Beerboy at johnny Beerboy. Uh, the return of the mega shows loved it also could not agree more with Stephen from points of brew and his preference for table service so much better than jostling for position from hugh 1979 at h yardley 33 glad glad you highlighted the camera fiasco they deserved the rant <laughs> from mark johnson just finished a lovely chat this week and another podcast that i've subscribed to I may have squealed at the closing song. Hashtags opinion on Swift. It, it wasn't just done for Mark's benefit. Maybe just a little bit, but yeah, it, come it on. Seemed, seemed to be the most appropriate song to use uh, on the last show. And from Ian Hay at II Hay, I'm not dealing well with this new s- slow release schedule. That said, from the look of your Twitter, Steve, I think the next one may be a little bit longer to make me happy. Well, the beery adventure probably will keep you happy, Ian. More, more than likely. Um, and now this next one, so this was from Steve Russian, uh, Steve Russian uh, via DM. And it was actually in response to our request on the last show for anyone to get in touch if they went to the Bristol Craft Beer Festival this weekend, which Steve did. And he shared some of his thoughts with us as well. So I just wanted to share some of this. Um, Steve said, thanks for everything you do with opinions. It's been a big part of my beer journey in recent years. You wanted some feedback on the Bristol Craft Beer Festival. And I was there yesterday for the afternoon session. I think they had a couple of advantages over the other potential festivals. Firstly, they had already sold a lot of tickets, including mine, for the original event in June, so they weren't starting from zero. Secondly, the Bristol venue is open air with loads of space to support social distancing. And finally, the weather yesterday was fantastic. It might have been a different story if it had rained and not sure how they would have enforced people not sheltering in the tents. On arrival, groups of up to six were allocated a table. You were encouraged to be seated most of the time, except when getting beer. 
Beer was served from multiple bars in four marquees. Entry to the marquee was controlled to restrict numbers and you had to wear a mask. They served beer in compostable plastic cups. So that was passed to you and you could transfer it to your glass. It meant no one else touched your glass for the whole event. It also meant that lots of the pours were more generous than previous years at the same festival. There was a one-way system around the entire event and I have to say that I felt very safe. That's some really comprehensive feedback, isn't it, about how a craft beer festival is actually uh, approaching these guidelines now? Yeah, um, firstly, Steve, thank you very much for getting in contact with us to provide the feedback. And um, more than happy and glad to have been part of your beer journey over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I think the pertinent point he's made, two pertinent points. One is he said he felt very safe. And I think that's what we all want now, isn't it? That We all want to feel safe in the environments we choose to go to or have to go to. Um, and yes, they did really luck out with the weather this weekend as well, didn't they? I mean, that was a massive bonus for them. And they must have had their fingers crossed for that. Um, and yes, I think he made a very valid point as well with his first point that the tickets had already been sold. So I'm guessing it was a, you can transfer to the event in September or you can get a refund. And probably a lot of people held off, held off and thought, well, actually, look, the weather's looking really good. It's outside. Tables are six. Um, so I, I really, I am re genuinely really pleased that they managed to get that event through. But I think the weather was definitely a massive contributory factor to that being a success. It could have gone either way, couldn't it? If, if it had been shocking weather, I, I don't, I, it is interesting. And I mean, Steve even makes that point, doesn't he? It's interesting to see whether that would have been a contributing factor to how much of a good time he had. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've all been to places. And if you can be outside in the sunshine, COVID or no COVID, it's a lovely way of spending an afternoon, isn't it? Uh, if, you, if the weather's just right, not maybe too hot, so it's not blistering, you're, you're able to get your beers, you're having some good quality beers, you're with friends. I think you're going to have a wonderful time. But you've got that safety aspect, which, as we've been assured on many occasions, is safer outside. So, it, like I said, it sounds like it's really good. Hopefully that means everyone enjoyed themselves. I don't picture too many more. Not, not this year now. We're, we're, we're running out of time now, aren't we? I, I, well, you're definitely running out of time for outside ones. And... The London Craft Beer Festival obviously couldn't convince a lot of people to do inside a combination of inside and outside. I think you might struggle to convince people to do all inside ones once you get into the autumn and winter months. Yeah, I, I think it'll be it'll be late spring next year. I think before we see any big beer festivals now. That would that be that would be my assumption. I mean, you might have small little tap takeovers. You might have things going on at tap rooms, but I don't I don't see how you could. I don't know. Uh, I suppose the next big one coming up would have been Craft Beer Calling in Newcastle. Uh, Indie Man. Oh, yeah, Indie Man, but they've already cancelled. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know if they made an announcement about Craft Beer Calling. I can't remember. Uh, I think I think they're looking at potential virtual options. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Miles will let us know. Let, let yeah. us know on, on, on that one if we've got that wrong. Yeah, which is possible. It's us. Yeah, yeah. We can't. We can't always research everything yeah. as, as, or, as much as as much as we try, or hardly anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, but thank you very much, Steve, for doing that, that bit of research for us. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I love that when our listeners respond to specific requests that, that, yeah. that we have as well. So because there's no way we there's no way we were, get, were going to get to Bristol, was there? So it's brilliant direct feedback. Sorry, I was too busy drinking all the Jai Boren leads, mate. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> off. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, uh, we've both finished the wooden chips. Um, what's what's your final thoughts on on that beer? Bloody, it is really. I feel like I'm repeating myself about both beers. They're, they're very good and both of them are excellent. The American Pale is slightly more to my palate, I think because it's got those more citrusy notes going on rather than the tropical notes, despite the fact that the mosaic tropical notes were really well balanced. That wooden ships, American Pale and again, 4.7%. Loads of aroma, bags of flavour, dry finish. It's American Pale but I could really get behind really really get behind and that's me i'm loving the um the labeling as well and the color scheme you know the, the first one had a lot of orange and they'd already mentioned a bit of orange coming through on that one hadn't they then we go more towards a citrusy beer and we're going a bit more towards that green turquoise kind of color as well um you know oh, brilliant really really good i think i dragged it out a little bit towards the end yeah i i really enjoyed it um Flip side to you though, I, uh, at this stage, I probably preferred the mosaic over it, uh, which, is, which is quite strange um, because normally I would be all over uh, an American parallel. The, 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 the piney citrusy notes, uh, there was, for me, there was a slightly, there was a bit of a sharpness in there, a bit of an earthiness in there that didn't balance out quite as well. Um, still an absolutely drinkable beer. Um, like you say, 4.7%, you could absolutely session that one um, w- without even really thinking about it. But out of the two that we've had so far, if, if I had to choose a favourite, it would, it would actually be the Mosaic. Maybe the first one is more of the keg beer and the second one's more of a cask beer. Maybe that's also maybe the little bit of a leaning as well. Possibly, p- possibly. But both have been very drinkable, both been very enjoyable. And we've got one more to go. Yes, and it's the bigger one. Indeed, we're, we're heading into IPA country. Again, from Neptune Brewery. Uh, and we are really, really grateful to Julian Les for sending these down to us. Uh, this is Scylla. It's a 6% Amarillo and Citra IPA. Uh, words that we don't really like to hear there, mate. No, I mean, who'd want to put those, those three words together? Or if you want the, can, the and as well, four words together. Yeah. Amarillo, Citra, IPA. It smells lovely. It looks great. I know. For, I know for podcast listeners, this is rubbish. The visual, the visual side of it. Seriously, let's not fuck around here. Let's get straight in. Cheers. Cheers. Um, right, show's over. I don't want to do any more recording. I just want to drink this beer. Oh God, that is everything about that. Again, visually, it's it's got that sort of amber, orangey colour to it great big white head to it the aroma is all it's all citrus on 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 the aroma and then it's it's full bodied and then you just get all these lovely citrusy notes there's a subtle pine orange in there again that little bit of little bit of pithiness going on finishes with this delightfully bitter finish yeah i wonder whether the orange because i think the orange has been orangey notes have been a bit prevalent for all three beers in one way or another i wonder whether a bit like um you know fuller's that yeast which is very a bit marmalade 
I just wonder whether maybe the yeast is contributing to that orangey note that we're getting through all three beers. I, at the moment, I've got nothing else to add. I just, once I smelt that beer, I just wanted to get into it. Again, really well balanced. And yeah, I think you made a good point. The, the body has stepped up a little bit here. Feels a little bit thicker, doesn't it? Yeah, it tells you that maybe this is a bit of a stronger beer, but while still being incredibly drinkable. Yeah, I mean, you know, 6%. I mean, seriously, I mean, 10 years ago, 6%, I'm thinking on a Monday night, are you crazy? Yeah, as, as a third beer. As a third beer? Who would do that? <laughs> exactly. But I'm, I'm with you there. I am wondering if it's, if it's their house yeast. That, that, that's giving it, it, it some of those, giving all of the beers kind of that little bit of orangey undertone. But so it, if it is, it's working really well. It, either that or we've just been listening to far too much men behaving badly. And we can and, just see orange and everything now. Yes, yes. Um, while we're enjoying this, we do have quite a few questions this week. Questions, questions fill my head. So first up from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. I recently really enjoyed a brown owl by Alpha Delta Bruin, and it made me wonder. I'd love to see more brown owls produced. What non-core styles would you like to see more of? Isn't that weird, though? That question 30 years ago, having a non-core question, but because you had a brown ale. Yeah. Yeah, well, there are. I, I, I can't think of any breweries that do a, a brown ale as a, as, as a core beer. Yeah, and even if they do do they you know they tend to try and call it something else a lot of the time as well um for me and i think i was struggling with this question when i first saw it from miles um but the trip i referenced on friday that went to leon sea brewery and had their cask mild um and i know that simon from beers Out frontiers is a massive cask mild fan as in a good pint of very decent cask mild and again, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the fact that you'd be asking that question and, and the answer would be a mild would almost be unthinkable, probably. Um, for me, it is one of the very, if you get a good one, it is a cask session beer and it can be a cask session beer at its best because it generally does sit around that four or under percentage. Even if that's not how it first started life out, that's how I sort of know a mild to be. So, yeah, for me, it'd be a, some more decent cast miles. I'd quite welcome that. What about you, Steve? I'm going to go for a specific variation on a style because it is a non-core beer. So, so, so I, I feel that I'm allowed to go for that. Uh, I would love to see more American Red Owls. Um, if, if we're thinking, let's think, let's think elusives, level up. Uh, around that, that kind of beer of, that sort of beer i i love a red owl when it's done well and i i love it when it's it's done with american hops as as well i think they can be absolutely delicious and and like i say i think i think we we both were very complimentary uh earlier on in the year when andy released that last batch of level up mm. um it was absolutely delicious and and i would love to see more breweries to turn their hands to, to an american red owl uh, I think that'd be a really good shout because I mean, especially with the uh, the use of the American hops, just reduces some of that residual sweetness that you can get in a red ale sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think it's hard to imagine that many people doing either of the styles we've suggested, though. If I'm being honest, um, 
yeah, they're not they're not ticking a lot of boxes at the moment, are they? But I'm I'm glad to see that there are a handful of breweries out there that are that, that are trying their, that, that their hands at them. Yeah, I mean, it'd be lovely to have it. Those sort of it's again, even if they do do them, it's probably going to be more small pack and stuff like that. You're probably not going to see them, especially perhaps at the moment, venturing out into the cask wild to reference your conversation with with Mike at Mosaic there are less cast lines available at the moment. So you're probably not going to put in maybe those beers, which won't sell readily. You're not going to risk it. Are you? You're going to go parallel, American parallel, maybe an IPA. Why would you? Maybe a bit. If the pub can't sell it, they may not come back to you. Exactly. Exactly. But great question. Thanks miles. Yeah. And uh, let's have some other people's thoughts about that one. Because I reckon there's a few styles, which we haven't even thought of there. Oh, without without a doubt, yeah. I mean, I, I my initial thought was, yeah, I'd like to see more brown owls. That's quite an easy one to answer. And I was like, no, actually, be a bit more inventive, Steve. Come up with your own answer. And, and <laughs> that, that's where I eventually landed on uh, an American red. <laughs> Our next question is from uh, Ferment the Rich. If you could choose two breweries to pair together in a tap room, think the experiment. So that's the pressure drop verdant um, tap room in London. Who would you choose? I'll be generous and extend this also to a brewery and a cider maker and allow a domestic only version and an international version. So, so we've got some options to play around with here. So shall we go for a UK only version first of the two breweries that we pair together? Yep. Yep. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first, Steve? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first on this one. I think uh, my, my two UK breweries, it's going to come as no surprise that one of them Thornbridge. Um, and I would love, I would love to see a Thornbridge and Colonel tap room. Um, that I would literally be like the proverbial pig in shit in, <laughs> in, 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 in that place. I don't think I'd ever leave. No, you probably wouldn't. You probably would not leave, Steve. Um, ticks a lot of boxes. There's a lot of styles covered off there. You've got your cask option as well. So I can definitely see that as a collaboration working. I'm presuming wherever they're based, the Thornbridge beers on cask have to be through a sparkler. Oh, absolutely. 100%. That's what I thought. That's the only way they should be served. I just thought I'd check. Um, Having having spent a weekend up north, mate, I am now more convinced than ever that that is the only way cask beer should (laughs) ever be served. Um, For me, I would have one of those breweries. I would also have the Colonel, because I think um, a question we had a, a little while ago was which brewery couldn't you live with without so I'll go Colonel. Um, and then I will go for another brewery for a similar sort of reason, the cask beer side of it. Um, but also thinking about um, keeping the good lady wife happy as well. North Riding. Oh, okay. Um, I do love, I genuinely love their beers. Everything we get from them, I love. I still have very fond memories of Easter 2019 going and staying at the pub going to visit the brew with Stu and Michelle as well. Um, and, and just loving their beers, um, especially on cask. So I would go for Colonel and North Riding. And I'm not sure many other people would go for that combination. I, I don't see anybody else going for that, that combination. I, I, however, I really however the North Riding pub generally has a Colonel beer on always as well. So it's kind of already there then. Yeah. I may, actually, maybe subconsciously, maybe that's why I went for it. Cause I was in the North Riding pub. And although I was loving the North Riding beer, I mean, you know me, Steve, 
I definitely had to have a pint of Colonel while I was there. Oh, without, yeah. If, if it's on, you're going to have it, aren't you? Yeah, it's, you know, where else would I go? I'd go all the way up to Scarborough to have some Colonel. <laughs> okay, so let's, let, let's look at the international twist on this thing. Seeing as we've both chosen the Colonel, let's, let's, let's say it's, it's for both of us, and the international partnership is the Colonel and. Who are you going to pair the Colonel with? I oh, see, I had two different ones for my international, but if I was going to pair the Colonel, I would pair, if I'm going to keep the Colonel in there, I would add, put them with Cantillon. Oh, wow. That's, that's a, that's a pairing and a half, that is. I would I never, that, have, I would never have seen that coming. I think as a tap room, you would get loads of people going to that tap room. You, you, you'd make money on that tap room. Um, and although, obviously, Colonel produced some fantastic sour beers, they don't really do the Lambic style of sour beers. So you had that as well. I think a lot of their ethos is the same. So I think you would, you would have such a great combination there. But if I was doing a truly international version, dropping the domestic side of it, as in the Colonel, I would be throwing in still Cantillon, but with Cigar City. I can I can see that kind of a, a very much new world and traditional brewery yeah. there. And I think you would tick most of the style boxes as well. Yeah. With that one. And even referencing ferment the rich allowing a cider maker. I mean obviously there are some similarities between some of the Cantillon Lambic beers and you know some of the cider beers, you know if you don't like cider and you smell a, uh, a Cantillon beer, sometimes you will get very similar notes from it. So yes, I, I, that's, that'd be nice. So Colonel North Riding for domestic, international, first of all, would be Colonel and Cantillon. If I want to go truly outside the UK, um, Cantillon and Cigar City. Nice. What about, you, what about yourself? So let's do it your, so Colonel plus one. Okay, so I'm gonna go for the Colonel and Pahala. Because I, I, I think Parler do some of the most amazing dark beers um, that you can possibly taste. And I think they're massively underrated as, as well in terms of what they churn out. So I, I would love to see uh, a combination of all those big hoppy beers that the Colonel does and some of their darker stuff alongside some of the real dark beasts that Pahala produce. They, they do do a range of, of, of lighter beers as well. But personally, I don't think they're as good as their dark stuff. I think if we're then flipping that to a purely international one, I'm going to stick with Harla, but I'm going to go. I'm going to throw Sierra Nevada in there because I would love to see them in in a tap room where they're bringing all of their super fresh hoppy stuff, but also some of those dark treats that they that they do as well. I mean, that'd be a good that'd be a good session, wouldn't it? Starting with the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, going through their pales, maybe having one of their seasonal dark beers. And then going to the Pahala dark beers. Yeah, going go to some of their big old barrel-aged imperial stouts that they do, is that's a way to finish a session. Yeah, I mean, whatever day you're doing it, I'd be booking the day off from anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apart from bacon. The only thing yeah. you need the next day, maybe bacon and cheese. But apart from that, nothing else, because that would be one hell of a day. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great. All, all of those that we've suggested there, I mean, some people aren't going to be surprised by some, some of the names we've said there, but I'd love to hear what our listeners would, would pair on, on this one as well. Let us know. Use the hashtag opinions 
Now, with one more question this week, and this is one directly for our listeners. Momentary Beer got in touch with us. Now, they're, they're a YouTube channel who make songs about beer. So it's, it's quite interesting to watch their channel and, and watch how they come up with uh, the basis of the song that they're going to write uh, about the particular beer. Uh, but they got in touch and said, uh, is, is there any way that, that, that you guys could suggest a, a beer now? Martin and I have got too many beers that, that, that we, we could, would want to hear songs about. So actually what we thought we'd do is we thought we'd ask you, our listeners, to maybe suggest a beer that most makes you think about our show to suggest to Momentary Beer to make a beer song about. So we're, we're making it more about uh, you guys that, that listen to us more than, than Martin and I. Um, although it's probably fairly obvious it's it a very a little... narrow. It's a very narrow field, isn't it? What we're going to what we're going to get coming back here. Definitely, definitely. Okay, there's that's... a little bit about us Friday there, Steve. Right? Should we should, should we should we put some some conditions in here? Then we do not want any suggestions of Ghost Ship, Jaipur, Sierra Nevada Palau, or any Colonel beer. So so you can't include or Cannonball. You can't include any of those as your suggestions. Come up with another beer that you think most remind you of opinions so that we can take to momentary beer and and let them make a youtube song uh, uh, about it and then we'll post that in 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 the link in, in in a link in a future show how about that i think that's an excellent idea and i think get their thinking caps on get their creative juices going yeah and and there is a link in the show notes show notes to their youtube channel so you can can have a click through and you can see what they do um to, to give you a bit of a feel for for, for it but Loads of great questions this week. Keep those questions coming because we do like it when you, when you ask us specific questions and we have to actually think about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was only looking at those today as well to finally get my final thoughts on that. And um, both those two questions were excellent, actually. Both those two. I'd, I'm really looking forward to hear what people come up as pairings for tap rooms. Yeah, that's the one that most interests me. It, in fact, it almost it feels like there's a fantasy tap room collaboration kind of thing in the offing at some point in the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll add that to the list of, 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 of fantasy shows that we're going to be doing. <laughs> we, we still do have a load of those that we want to cover off yeah, definitely. At, at some point. Mate, I know we're, we're, we're only just uh, part way through the Scylla, but how are you finding it? I'm not part way through, Steve. Okay, you, you've almost finished your Scylla. How, I've how almost drained it. Get on with that? Oh, it's Bloody delicious. I mean, for me, it has been a step up each beer. Love the mosaic. I think the wooden ships was another step up. And this one, again, is another step up for me. So for me, we've sort of gone in the right order as well. Um, this 6% IPA, it, it would be a dangerous beer because you could sit in the Neptune tap room drinking a few of these, not notice that 6% until you have to get up. Yeah. And I would go to the little leave and then it's like, ooh, I've had a few 6% beers there and I didn't really notice because it is so easy drinking, so well balanced. I, I, I you know, it's, uh, I suppose the last time that I sort of had this kind of thing about it's free beers, which are just really good. And it's just, even some of the other beers we've had from, uh, I think some of our standout beers we've had during this period, like from Brew York, and uh, Cheshire Brewhouse, they've been very different styles a lot of the time. This is almost like a progression, a very direct lineage between your pale ale, your American pale ale and your IPA. And you can sort of see it. 
you can see the steps, you can see the progression. Um, you know, I do wonder where they go next. What, what comes after the Amarillo and, and Citra 6% IPA? Um, I want to go dark after this. Oh, I, I wouldn't mind the double IPA version of this one. Okay, so you're, you're still taking the steps on the, uh, on the PAL? Yeah, 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 definitely. I just yeah. think that all three of them have been so good. If they had a fourth one, which was like, you know, that 7.2 Brew York Big Eagle kind of space, I can imagine it'd still be very, it'd be very, very good based on the first three we've had. So, yeah, fantastic. It's been a while since we've done this sort of similar sort of style beers. In one yeah. session and, and i think you referenced that earlier didn't you that it is, it is a step up every time and actually if if you were sat in their tap room drinking their their beers this is probably the progression you would go you, you would probably start with the pal then go american pal and then you'd go ipa and then like you've just said you, you'd then go double ipa as well yeah um that would be the progression i would do if i saw that range i would want to see how it goes um and I would probably quite happily drink pints of it as well, of each of those oh, beers. Easily, easily, yeah. Um, Dangerous. I would need them to, uh, yeah, I would need them to sell me two-thirds, yeah. not pints. If, even when, hopefully when, I do turn up at Neptune, please serve me two-thirds of these beers. Don't serve me pints. <laughs> Massive thank you to, to Julian Les for, for sending this, these beers through to us. We have thoroughly enjoyed them tonight. Um, and, and definitely give Neptune a try if, if you do see their beers around. Uh, Martin, what have we got coming up on the next show? Well, I don't know about the what, Steve, but I do know the who. I'm looking uh, forward to the who. Definitely. Now, I, I can't imagine anyone listens to the show regularly do not, does not know this person. It is our very good friend, your boy, Rob Edwards, is going to be our guest drinker in a couple of weeks' time. Can't mm. wait. Really looking forward to having some beers with Rob. Um, I think we're still deciding on what we're going to be talking about and what we're going to be drinking. So watch this space for that. Uh, but until next time, I think I've still got a little bit more of the Scylla left. So I'm going to go away and enjoy that. Uh, and all, all that's left to say is cheers. Cheers. Boy.